Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. reading this morning's from the first chapter of Mark's gospel. We'll be reading verses 9 through 13. Let us first share in a word of prayer. Gracious God, it is your word that is life for us. So we come expectant, O God, needing you to speak to us. We're here. We're listening. Speak to us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Listen, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast. And the angels waited on him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Well, in Mark's gospel, the temptation of Jesus is brief in description, lacking the conversation that's recorded by Matthew and by Luke. But if I understand it, this two-verse struggle that Jesus endures, I, I wonder if it lasts his whole life. If I understand Mark's gospel, these two verses, chapter 1, 12, and 13, they give us a lens through which we can read and understand the rest of the gospel. And if that is the case, then it also, these verses also provide us a lens to interpret our own lives. All of that happens as Jesus is tested so when I graduated from seminary, and Sally as well, they required, the nomination required us to take ordination exams. It's an exam in Bible, an exam in theology, an exam in polity. There was an exam in worship. I actually failed that one. I had to take it again. I probably shouldn't tell you that I failed the worship exam. But what I remember taking those exams is when I finally finished and could put my pencil down, more than being concerned about whether I passed or not, I was just relieved it was over. The ordeal was behind me. That's pretty common when taking tests, particularly big tests. I suppose there's no bigger test in life than being tested by Satan, being tested by all that is wrong in the world. But with this test, I'm not sure Jesus ever got to put his pencil down. I think this test lasts his whole life. The story moves on, no doubt, but I'm not sure Jesus ever really gets out of this wilderness. 
And yet there in the wilderness is where we see hope. We've begun a new year. But so much of this year feels like last year, doesn't it? Omicron is raging. We're still in our mask. And it sort of feels like this is just the new normal. We're not ever going to get out of this. And, and this weekend, we remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. again. And, and we need to remember how much has changed and how much needs to change. And yet our conversation about this is almost stymied because we fear there are some who are just waiting for us to use the wrong word here or there and call us out and there are others who are so offended by any idea that racism could be current that it's hard to engage in any kind of reflection and all of this is over 50 years after Dr. King was assassinated. It leaves you to wonder if we will ever reach the dream he taught us to celebrate and love. What I'm saying is you know what it is to be in the wilderness and to not know how to find our way out. L last week, Roger preached a wonderful sermon on the baptism of Jesus at, and where Jesus hears that he is God's child, and Roger reminded us we're all God's children. In Jesus' baptism, the Spirit comes on him, and the first thing the Spirit does is drive him into the wilderness, drive Jesus into the wilderness. That's, that's what our translation says, that the Spirit drives Jesus. I don't want you to think that the Spirit is his uber. The, the Greek word is ekbalo. It doesn't mean drive. It means cast out. It's most often used when Jesus cast out demons, when he exercises demons. And so this spirit does not lead Jesus, does not escort Jesus, does not chauffeur Jesus. The spirit casts Jesus out into the wilderness. Why? It seems the wilderness is where God wants Jesus to be. Remember this. In the biblical story, wilderness is almost never a physical address. It's not a zip code. Wilderness is almost always a spiritual address, a spiritual condition. Wilderness, think of it this way. Wilderness is anywhere, anytime, with anyone who questions the Word of God. Which means wilderness is everywhere. It's all the time. Because who of us doesn't from time to time question the word and way of God? So we live in the wilderness and we quite honestly don't really know how to get our way out. Which I suppose is why God wants Jesus to be thrown into the wilderness because that's where we are. Wilderness, wilderness is a metaphor for where we live, but it's not our home. We weren't created to live in a condition or circumstance where we question the Word of God. Quite the opposite. We were created to love and trust God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We just can't always find our way there. Uh, 
When our kids were tiny, some friends of ours gave us tickets to go to Ghost Town in the Sky. It's a theme park in Tennessee. We went. It wasn't my idea. The people who gave us tickets, I think they had already been. And so they, they gave us tickets and said, go, your family will have a great time. So there we were with two children, like three and a half and 18 months. And we had a whole day in this park with rides that jump and bump. I, I, tried, to get, I tried to get Sarah to ride the merry-go-round, you know, the merry-go-round. She was frightened. She said, the horses look scary. You know, I'd never noticed before, but you look at those horses. They look kind of scary. They do. So then she spotted the umbrella ride. The umbrella ride one that has the umbrella over you and it goes around like this and then it cranks up and it goes around goes around like this she said daddy daddy will you ride the umbrella ride with me and I thought well if you're scared of the merry-go-round I don't know how you're gonna get through the umbrella sure Sarah I'll ride it with you. just just hold my hand well look the day we went to ghost town the the weather had predicted severe weather it was very cloudy but the severe weather never materialized but it did keep the crowds away. And when there's no line to get to the ride, they'll let the ride go a long time. And the guy who put us on the umbrella ride looked like he was in high school. I think he, he strapped us in. He turned the ride on. I think he went to class. I do. I think he went to class. And so we were just going around like this and around like this and around. And, around. and, and by the time the umbrella ride finally finished, I couldn't see. I was perspiring. I, 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 was, I, I could barely sit up. I was astonished that I still had my breakfast. And I thought, where's my poor daughter? I'm trying to feel her in the seat beside me. And that's when I heard her say, Daddy, let's do it again. And I said, darling, if you take my hand, and please don't let go, and lead me to your mother. Your, your mother would love to ride the umbrella ride with you. And so she did, and they did. They rode it two more times. And, and by this time, the guy graduated from high school, and they, and they followed the umbrella ride with the spinning teacups. They had a wonderful time, and quite frankly, I'm getting a little queasy just telling you about it now. Here's the point. God did not create me for ghost town in the sky. It's the wilderness. We live in the wilderness, but it's not what we're created for. We're created to trust God with every circumstance, every moment, every relationship. But we get stuck by our belief and unbelief. We get stuck. We can't quite find our way out. It's because we're in there that the Spirit casts Jesus into the wilderness, and he won't leave us behind. Now, I said this is a passage of good news, and the good news is not that we're captured by the wilderness and we can't find our way out. No, if I understand it at all, the good news is tied to this odd detail that Mark includes. He says Jesus was with the wild beast. What is that about? What are the wild beasts in the 
wilderness. Some say this. Some say that the beasts are sort of metaphors of the powers of evil that seek to destroy and devour us. They're, they're there as threat. Lions and tigers and bears are mine. It's a metaphor for the forces that seek to destroy us. It makes sense, but there's another option. The text doesn't say that Jesus was threatened by the beast or surrounded by the beast or stalked by the beast or pursued by the wild beast. It says he was with the wild beast. Unless I'm mistaken, Mark is is once again leaning on his favorite prophet. Mark's favorite prophet is Isaiah. And one of the ways that Isaiah described God's promised day, one metaphor he gave us for God's promised day was the wild beast. This is how Isaiah said it. You know this. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Shall lead them all. This is what I think. I, I think Mark says, by the Spirit of God, Jesus is cast into the wilderness where we are. And the wild beasts show up. It's a glimpse of God's promised day. It's a, it's, it's a glimpse of the, the violence and the hatred and the destruction in life being redeemed. It's an image of God's promised day, an image of all that has gone wrong finally being made right. I, I think that's the metaphor Mark has in mind. I, I think Mark says, let me tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who invades your wilderness. When the wheels have come off, when things fall apart, when the world collapses, when your faith is shaken, Jesus is right there because that's where God wants him to be. But not only that, he will give us glimpses of God's promised day, of things being made right. Just glimpses, but it's enough to get us through. Unless I miss it, in these two verses, Mark tells us what the rest of the story is about. Jesus will invade every wilderness, and he will battle the forces that dehumanize us in the world and in ourselves. He will engage that battle all the way to the cross. There is no stop in him. He will do it all the way to the cross and in every moment provide glimpses of the life God created us to live. And if you look, you can see him. So about a hundred years ago, I went to a session meeting 
You know, the purpose of the meeting was to welcome new members. In this particular church, they welcome new members in the church parlor. We don't really have a parlor here, not like this. But, but in, in that church, the church parlor was an old, actually, middle school classroom that some folks with interior, interior design talent said, hey, let's renovate that room. And they made it beautiful. They, they, they put plush carpet in there. There were wing-back chairs. There was a big mirror and gold frame on the wall. They had ivy wallpaper on the wall. They had sconces for lighting. I told them, I love the lights. They said, they're not lights, Tom. They're sconces. I said, thank you, thank you. Sconces. Love the sconces. It was so beautiful that once they finished with it, they began to be concerned that people might actually use the room for church meetings and whatnot. So the only thing we ever used the parlor for was to welcome new members. It made a great first impression, and we could let them know they were never allowed back in there again. Now, this particular session meeting was a little odd because, because there was a couple. There was a man and his daughter who came to join and they had never been to our church before. It's rather unusual to, to just come in out of the parking lot and before you even get to worship, say, we'd like to join the church. And this was long before live streaming. We weren't even on the radio. This was just a cold call. They're just jumping in both feet. And, and so some people were a little discomforted, but I think there was something else at play in the discomfort I do. I'm embarrassed by this, but I think... It was because the man's daughter, beautiful young woman, but she had an unforgettable haircut for the mid-1980s. On one side of her head, she had shaved it down to the scalp, but the other side, it was eight or nine inches long, but she moosed it up in spikes. Looked a little bit like the Statue of Liberty on on one side, moosed it up in spikes, and it was green, which I took to be a safety precaution. You could poke somebody's eye out with one of those spikes, and, 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 and this was long before this was common, and our, our kind of clean-cut suburban eyes odd and khaki, and I think there was still even some vitalis in that room. It never seen anything like this. And here's what we know. When we encounter anyone that we perceive to be different than ourselves, whatever the difference is, it makes us uncomfortable. Now, you may have said, oh, I'm not uncomfortable just because someone is different. You're just not remembering. It's, it's the way we are. And in this case, it wasn't anything significant. It was just hair. It's just a young, beautiful girl being creative and experimenting and finding herself. Well, thank God. This session remembered we were the church, and so it's our job to welcome whoever Jesus brings in the door. And they said, you're welcome. And I thought we'd pass the test. And then things started to fall apart. Wallace crossed the room from his side of the parlor, headed straight for this couple. And Wallace was on the building and grounds committee because 
we didn't want him to have anything to do with people if we could arrange it. And he walked over and said, I don't believe I've ever seen you all here before. And the man said, well, um, we're needing a church right now. And Wallace said, well, it's kind of strange to join a church you've never been to. And you see why he's not on the evangelism committee. And the, the man said, well, our friends told us this is a, a good church. He said, you've never even heard our preacher? You, you might want to give him a test drive. You might, not, you might not even like him. A lot of us don't. He said, well, we're, we're just needing a church right now. And he said, well, you don't want to go in the sanctuary right now because, because you're, you're going to sit in somebody's seat. Everybody's got their seat. Jim Gibson sits in the same seat every week. And you, just, you don't want to go in and sit in somebody's seat. It'll just, it'll just ruin their, their day. And I thought, Jesus, if you're going to come back anytime soon, now would be a dandy time. But then an amazing thing happened. Wallace looked right at this young, beautiful teenage girl, and he said to her, our daughter, she's off at school right now, and we miss her more than you could imagine. So if, if you don't mind, and I understand if you don't want to, but if you don't mind, it means the world to my wife and I if you would sit with us in worship. And my wife is going to love your hair. I admit it ruined the mood a bit when I fell out of my chair. <laughs> but do you know what that was? That was the wild beast of God's promised day showing up in the midst of ivy wallpaper and sconces and wingback chairs. It can happen anywhere. And if you're paying attention, you might not miss it. Seeing the wilderness, it's easy. You don't need me to describe or point that out for you. But the moments where Jesus is casting a bit of God's grace into the moment, if you're not paying attention, you just might miss that. And Mark, Mark would tell us the battle against the forces that pull us apart and tear us down and tell us that we're on our own, the battle against that forces is not likely to end. It's going to follow us all of our lives. That's life in the wilderness. But in the midst of that, do the good that is yours to do. Share the love that is yours to share. And don't be surprised if you get a glimpse of God's promised day. It can happen anywhere. It really can. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.